Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Space Trash. Trash in space. Space trash. Lifestyles, the rich and Uranus. Space trash. Celebrities, they're trash. But the astrology can help us understand. Transmission incoming. (laughs) Greetings, trashlings. And welcome back to another episode of Space Trash. Lifestyles of the rich and Uranus. I'm Molly Molshine. I'm Sarah Armour. Welcome to Space Trash. A really good friend of mine today texted me and she said, out of nowhere, are you scared of death with four question marks? Like at all, four more question marks. Do you think about it at all? Five question marks. I've been thinking about this week. It's all I've been thinking about this week and it's driving me crazy. Guess what that person's sign is. Cancer. Scorpio. Oh, Scorpio. Oh, Scorpio, Scorpio. Obviously Scorpio. Obviously Scorpio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe you think. I was like, as soon as I saw it, because I wrote back to her and I was like, LOL, Scorpio much. And then I was like, I don't think about death. I'm not afraid of death. I'm afraid that I'm not going to accomplish enough before I die. (laughs) How sad and Capricorn is that. Just Capricorn. It is not sad. It is Capricorn. The reason I guessed Cancer or Capricorn is because we were talking about earlier, I guess we are talking about it yesterday, but this week is a big sort of, it's not that it's a big death week. I can sort of a heavy statement, but on Saturday, we have this, we have this sun opposition to Pluto, which is sort of a death vibe. So that's why I was thinking it was more of a callback to our text combo. But yeah, Scorpios, they fucking love death. They're living and dying. I mean, tell her she has nothing to be afraid of. She's already like died and been reborn a bunch of times. I'm going to tell her that. And it's Melissa, you know her. So Melissa, if you're listening, you've already died, bitch. Get over it. Yeah, yeah. It's just that Scorpio, like, you know, you're just molting. Think about it that way. Molting? Oh my God. Wow. Because they molt their exoskeletons. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. This is going to make her feel so much better. I also recommended a reading with Jess McEwen, the spirit baby medium. No, you guys, you don't understand. We are not even taking the opportunity to plug Molly and my own services. You've got to talk to the spirit baby, Lady Jess McEwen. Did you make your appointment? No, because it was for a time when I couldn't go. That was her next available. But now that my plans have changed, I'm going to try again. Oh my God, Molly, she is so... You guys, if you're listening, I could not recommend it more high. Lee, I will put it in the show notes. I'll send Molly a link. In In more ways than one. Yeah, literally. But like, for real, this bitch, she's psychic as shit. She changed my life. One call changed my life. She told you that Rodney Dangerfield and Phyllis Diller are always around you. Mm -hmm. And I've told people that and they were like, well, are they around every comic? And I was like, they probably make the rounds to the ones they like. And yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm their only client, you know, from the other side. Yeah. You're not monopolizing them. You're not an asshole. No, but I do think like I'm on their roster. 
Yes. So on the topic of death and rebirth, and callbacks to previous episodes. Holy crap. Melissa really teed us off for a perfect intro. On the topic of death and rebirth, do you know, Sarah, what today's holiday is? What day it is today? It's a holiday? Yes. Oh my God. I literally do not know. It's Bastille Day. Oh, happy Bastille Day, Mom. As in Les Mis, as in French Revolution, as in the whole society being burned to the ground, you're freaking out. Marie Antoinette and Jason Schwartzman having their heads cut off and (laughs) building a new society from the ground up. Oh my God, right. And that's what kind of America is going through anyway. Right. And wow, it's kind of interesting that Bastille Day is also in July. Yeah. You know, like what, so this is just like when revolutions happen, I guess, historically. I think people get agitated because it's too hot. Too hot, and they're like, fuck it, fuck the system, we're starting our new thing. Yeah, so for people who don't know, Bastille Day is Jour de la Bastille, and it is the 14th of July, and I, obviously, as you can tell from my bangs and my basicness, I was a Francophile in college, I minored in French. You did? I just, I want to say, when you were just saying, can you say, like, um, Bastille Day like that again? Like, oh my god, your French accent's so sexy. I'll say happy Bastille Day, which isn't really a thing. They don't really say happy Bastille Day. They say like happy 14th of July. So it's joyeux 14 juillet. Oh my, you guys, I don't know if you can see the video. This probably will not be a clip, but Molly looked incredibly sexy while just spouting out that French sentence. Oh my God, thank you. I'm also <laughs> drinking French wine and eating pizza with brie on it, which is a bastardization of French food, but French people love pizza. They love anything Italian, so... Well, and I also feel that it's a sort of like French, you know, pizza with brie. It's sort of like, you know, American, uh, American, because I, you know, obviously pizza is Italian, but I do think that we've stolen it to some degree. So I really think it's sort of like, you're really living this hybrid. You know, you are- it's an yeah, like, vibe. You're, right, exactly. Like you're yeah. just like an international girl, an international world, just like combining all the best flavors from all the continents and just like bringing them into one. Yeah. Bastille Day is when all of the French working people stormed the Bastille, which was a jail in like the middle of Paris. And they just freaked out. They ended up eventually capturing Marie Antoinette and her husband and beheaded them. And it was the end of France having a monarchy. And it was in the, if you're a Hamilton fan, they make reference to the French Revolution in the second act because they're like, Lafayette wants us to help in France. And, and like, you know, it's, it's very intertwined. It is. So it was in the late 1700s. I don't know exactly what year, but it's the day of French independence. And more importantly, for our purposes, it's like a Pluto day, right? Like, where's Pluto today? Because it's death and rebirth. Well, that's this whole like vibe of this week, right? So like Pluto right now is at 25 degrees Capricorn and we are in cancer season, which means that the sun is opposite Capricorn. And so as we're, you know, the sun is moving towards the exact opposition, which will happen on Saturday. It's sort of like this really, yeah, it's like this moment where like the sun, the solar energy is really like highlighting you know, what's going on, on the, the radiant energy on the planet. Whereas like, you know, we actually have on earth and, and that Pluto sort of sitting with earth in Capricorn being like, yeah, we need to die 
and you need to nurture certain things so that we can die and be reborn differently. And so like wherever Cancer and Capricorn are in your chart, you are really feeling this, like your ego and the sort of the things that we can see energy is very much, you know, cancer, mother, nurturing, like, where are you, where are you co cozy? Where are you comfortable? Where are you nurturing yourself? And then, you know, what do you need to nurture or what do you need to like lovingly plant in the dirt and let it die so that you can be reborn mm. after this, this opposition on Saturday? Because Pluto takes no prisoners. Like P Pluto is the planet of like, unearthing like it is you know it rules scorpio it's like from the underworld out like what do we need to actually from the roots dig out expose you know like really be like shown even if we're avoiding it with all of our might and that is gonna have to die but it is only for the sake of being reborn so you know this isn't a death melissa this isn't a death any of you guys it's just a it's a turning of the times you know and it's a it's a tense week and is this why Melissa's been thinking about death all week long? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So also for people who don't know, the French Revolution is, we sort of mentioned this, but just in case anyone is unclear, uh, French Revolution is Les Mis. Mm -hmm. So the stage play Les Mis, which my fiance, Nicholas, who just came downstairs to get some cheese, uh, he is a huge fan of Les Mis. And he sings it and listens to it while he's getting ready every morning. I don't Are know if you, you knew that, Sarah. Are you kidding me? Yes. He's a theater boy. Molly, you found a masculine, manly ass lover, husband, homeowner who low-key loves Les Mis? Yes. He's the one. Nick, you are the one. He said thank you. I've been dying for a straight man to listen to theater with me. He loves it. His youngest brother, Ben, is like went to acting school. But <laughs> it's funny because... Uh, the reason why Nick liked Les Mis partially is because he thought it was about overthrowing the Brits because. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's not very clear. When everything's all music, it's easy to, and you he, know what I mean? He, Randy and I saw Hamilton in the theaters and, and he, after the first act, it was his first Broadway, th Broadway show. He thought it was over, first of all. So <laughs> after the first act, he was like, that was good. I don't really know what it was about, but I liked it. You know, so I do think like, yeah, there's, a, there's like, unless you're really following along with the book or you like studied the lyrics beforehand, both Les Mis and Hamilton, these sing-songy shows. Yeah, I do think there can be a lot lost in translation, yeah. certainly. And whatever you think it's about is fine because art is interpretive, but it's actually not about that, Nick, LOL. Yeah, well, also he's Irish Catholic. So like every, all, every waking moment is about overthrowing the Brits in his head. So, you know. I think make it work. I love that for him. We could even write a musical about that. Oh, whoa. Maybe that's what we should work on as a group. Get Sam in here. We'll brainstorm it. Let's write a musical. And wait, did you guys watch Sing Street yet? No, what's that? Wait, knowing that Nick likes musicals now, this is so important to me that you watch. I almost think I'm going to like go do my client. When I come back, I, you guys have to watch it on the break. Like seriously, Nick is Where going. is it? It's an incredible movie. It's called Sing Street. And it's about these, um, these young boys in Catholic school in Ireland and the cool thing is that they used real Irish kids. Like, what? so the, the, like every actor in the show, it's like their first credit because they're, they really just wanted, like they casted it super authentically. So like the adults are very famous um, Irish actors, but the kids in the movie are just kids. What platform is it on? I don't know. I saw it in theaters and then I actually bought it, <laughs> but oh. I'm sure that it's just, we can, I'll look, I'll look it up where it is. 
it's honestly, even if you have to just like rent it for $4.99 on Amazon or whatever, it, but it probably is streaming somewhere. It is like the most beautiful uh, Irish boys movie. I mean, I, I've seen it like a thousand times. It, it might be in my top five favorite movies I've ever seen. I, I When I saw it in the theater, I was like weeping, but Aww. not because it's sad, but because I was like, it was like so fucking beautiful. Like yeah. it was, it is, and it's about like brothers. It's about like Irish brothers, like having each other's backs during like hard times. And like, yeah, so like the brothers, uh, the, the boy to sort of take back that power from this very abusive uh, Catholic school that they're in. And, and it was hard times in, 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 in Ireland at the time. Um, you went they, English and then you sort of veered yeah, back. Yeah, I realized, I realized midway. I was like, you gotta make an audible on this accent because this is wrong. <laughs> but it's so beautiful and it's like basically the way that they like take back the power is to start a garage band and so they start this band and it's like a garage sort of like band a garage band it's like an 80s throwback garage band and it is like so all the songs are sort of it's the kind of thing where like I've listened to the I've like put the songs on playlist just because they're so fucking good wow okay we'll watch that during our break that's amazing <sighs> I can't wait to discuss it is so fucking good and beautiful and the Irish it really shows it really shows the heart of the Irish yes so to sum it up this week astrologically is about revolution mm-hmm. death and rebirth mm-hmm. drinking wine mm-hmm. and letting go of the shit that doesn't work yeah like really getting real about what people places things locations habits hobbies mental like attachments that you have that you think it's, you know, the big question I have for everyone, it's like, what do you think are the things in your life currently that you're attached to because like they set you free? And in what ways are they actually holding you back? Mm-hmm. Wow. I deleted Twitter and Reddit off my phone. No, Molly. Yeah, because I was spending so much time on it and it was just not, well, I love Reddit. Reddit wasn't making me miserable, but it was a time suck. And Twitter just makes you miserable. It's garbage. Well, the thing about your Twitter, though, Molly, I cannot believe. So I just like was stalking you a little bit the other day. Oh, thanks. The, the, you are followed by some of the greatest of all time entertainers. I know. I really don't know why. What the fuck? I think it's why? because I'm, I think it's because I'm verified. I really do, and people like assume that that means that you're important in some way. And like ah. when I was working at the Observer and Business Insider, like I get why people wanted to follow me. Um, but yeah, I, I only have like 5,000 followers, but I have all famous people. I know I have Paris Hilton, Sonia Morgan, Dorinda Medley, Leslie Odom Jr. from Hamilton. Leslie Odom Jr. Uh, Wait, who Rob, was the last one you said? Rob Delaney follows me. Oh my God. I know because I tweeted that I was joining De- Democratic Socialists of America, uh, <laughs> And someone tagged him in the replies and then he followed me. But why did they, ta- like, like so many people on earth have made that statement via Twitter. Like, why was that like, oh, Rob has to see Mo- that Molly has declared this. It's like, who, who's Molly? Right. I have no idea. People were looking out, you know? I don't know. Wow. I mean, now we know that like when and if we get some celeb followers, it's obviously because they're listening to the Space Trash podcast and they stand. But priests? space trash i mean maybe it was diva behavior but honestly you are making a global impact mom i think it's just a snowball effect you get enough like semi-high profile followers they just kind of start being like oh okay like this person must be legit because it's not (laughs) my tweets i'll tell you that much my tweets are dog shit well what i think is really funny like if you look through our twitter like 
90% of, because I don't really tweet at all, but like once we started doing the podcast, I was like, all right, I'll get back on Twitter. Every tweet only has one like, and it's you. Like basically Mm -hmm. it's just like a public chat. Like Twitter for me is just people basically like seeing inside our text messages. Like, cause I'm like, hello, it's like just me being like, LOL, that this is right. Or me retweeting you or reposting you, but it's all just you, you posting something of me or you know what I mean? Like we're not making a huge impact in terms of likes and follows, but we know that you're there and we welcome, uh, we welcome all the hearts like Rob Delaney, Leslie Odom. Like if you guys just want to fucking like a few of these space trash clips, it would really help. Yeah. The thing is that I think Twitter shadow bans when you promote your own stuff because I'll tweet something totally inane and it'll get a few faves. But if I tweet a link to our podcast, it goes absolutely nowhere. And then my next three tweets go nowhere. I think they just shadow ban you if you promote your own stuff. And also like Twitter is a dying platform. So they shouldn't be doing that. Like Twitter is not gaining new followers. It hasn't been for a couple years now. So like if they are not like letting me self-promote my shit, then I have no reason to be on there. You know, I'm shocked that like Twitter is just so fucking full of haters. Like why on earth would they block? How are you supposed to like get your stuff out there if they penalize you for sharing it? I know it's really, it's annoying. It's because every platform now just wants you to stay on their platform 24 seven. Oh, and last thing I'll say before we get into the real news. Yeah. yeah. I was working on a film set this weekend and there were a lot of Gen Z individuals on this film set and none of them are into Instagram. They were all like, like I would be like, oh, let me, let's follow each other so we can stay in touch. And they were like, eh, I don't really use it. One of them straight up didn't even have it. They also were like side-eyeing TikTok. And I didn't even ask about Twitter because I was like, that's a waste of time. So the, they're, not in, they're not into it. Well, you know what's crazy? Okay, so I had a really similar experience. Right before I left Philly, I did a show at Helium. And after the show, there were all of these like 20-year-olds that came over that were like, oh my God, you're so funny. Like, we, like, where can we see you again? Like, what's your website? And at first I thought it was interesting because I thought, what's my website? Well, okay. You know, and so then I was like, well, fuck my website. I was like, let's just Wait, follow like, What, are they going to bookmark it? Right. I'm like, you want my website? I'm like, I don't even know if I've updated my website. I'm like, you know, I just changed my rates, went supply and demand, but it's pretty much, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, why don't we just follow? So I was like, why don't we just follow each other on Instagram? There was three girls that were like, oh, we don't have Instagram. And I was like, well, what do you use? I was like, do you use Twitter? They said, no. They said the only thing they all use is Snapchat. Yes, Snapchat still has a vice grip on Gen Z. What's that about? Because it's just like, just for nudes, basically. Everyone's like, I'll send my nudes and nothing else or what? No, I think it's just that they've grown up with so much um, cancel culture around them that they're so nervous about getting canceled or just being embarrassing. Whoa. They want to keep everything P2P. They don't want to broadcast. And they've seen it back backfire so many times and I also think it's part of it is because they're so obsessed with the metrics like when I worked at Galore obviously I had a lot of younger interns and like they would have been embarrassed to be posting with like a like under a certain amount of followers they would be like you should go private so that people don't think that you're like a failure you know what I mean like yeah and they're just they're so much more curated and so much more into what they are projecting and they overanalyze it. Whereas like, I just shit post, like, I don't even think about it. And like, that's super embarrassing to them and terrifying because they don't want to be, they don't want to look anything less than perfect at all times. So that's why they like Snapchat because it's ephemeral. It's not broadcasted and it goes away. So if you're embarrassing, it's it's not going to follow you. 
whoa, interesting. Yeah. Now, this is just a, like, a, so if, it, if, if Twitter's a dying platform, if people are already eye-rolling at TikTok, if people are just not even on the gram, what do you think the future of, like, is it just like everybody get back to Snapchat? Or is it like you think there's just going to be another app that swoops through? Like, what do you think? I think it's going to be get back to Snapchat. I think it's going to be more and more emphasis on what's known as dark social, which is, you know, it's kind of self-explanatory social media that isn't broadcast. Um, like that's why Facebook is focusing so much on groups because you're actually not interacting with people, you know, like the biggest Facebook users are people who are sort of using it like Reddit in a way, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's funny too, cause I was thinking about, you know, with the moon, you will like, Cause I've been sort of in limbo and not, I'm not like judging myself. I don't think we're behind, but I've been thinking like, what is the appropriate platform, right? Like, should it be like a Patreon? Should it be a streaming thing? Like whatever. And then, um, through, through the research I did, just the stone Googling, I was like, oh, I think that the solution is actually creating just like an app, like either using WhatsApp as like just private group chat or just like creating our own app. And then it's like a community that you can join. And so I think you're right. Like, like either dark web or, or it's just like, I think it's going to be like smaller communities where it's like, it's broadcast, but it's like private broadcast. Yes. I think, uh, the move also might be discord. Apparently a lot of people have been using that, especially podcasts and stuff. I actually could not figure it out. So I did start a Patreon for the Moonyuel. And then I got so like, I threw my arms in the air because I was like, I just don't know how to use Discord. Because like, that was the benefit of it. It was like, yeah. oh, Discord's the thing. Like, maybe we could do a little research uh, between between pods because if we could figure out Discord, we, it, yeah, I think you're right. Like, it's like private chat communities. There's also a new one. There's like WeMe and Telegram. What's interesting is that like, whether we like it or not, like we're all sort of just taking a page from Trump's book because everything that we're slamming him for doing is exactly what we're all actually gonna have to start doing, which is just like creating our own platforms. Oh my God, you're right. Like he's actually setting the trend because he got kicked off of everything. And he's like, oh, I don't care. I'll just like literally create a network for my followers. Yeah, he's like, your shit's embarrassing anyway. I don't need to be on it. Oh my God. One of the biggest couples of the summer, I would say, is Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles, if not the biggest. I mean, the only reason they're not the biggest is that they're sort of drip feeding us updates while Courtney and Travis are like slamming our faces into their like toe sucking love affair. So, right, we're seeing way too much tongue with those two. Right. So, Olivia and Harry, I would say they are the couple of the summer in terms of prestige. And we've been looking for a reason to talk about them because, like I said, they drip feed, they don't really give us any big moments beyond just the first, you know. The fact that they existed was like the big moment. Right. So this week we do have a news peg, as we call it in the biz, for a reason to talk about them. So basically, Jason Sudeikis, Olivia Wilde's ex, wow, ex-fiance, they were never married, which I didn't realize. He was interviewed by GQ and he said, I'll have a better understanding of why in a year, as in why they broke up and an even better one in two, and an even greater one in five, and it'll go from being, you know, a book of my life, to becoming a chapter, to a paragraph, to a line, to a word, to a doodle. That's what he said, a doodle. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever had a breakup that, you know, eventually became nothing but a doodle to me, but I love the thought. I've, I've broken up with guys who had little doodles. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Did a lot of artists smell? 
Yes, that's the only doodle I can think of is like a yeah. little doodle. So I don't know what he's talking about, but but yeah, they have two <laughs> they have two kids. Seven-year-old Otis. Couldn't you have guessed that was their kid's name, even if I didn't? It's so them. It's so fucking. It's so fucking Jason. And four-year-old Daisy. So two months after they broke up is when she was spotted with Harry Styles, who's ten years younger than her. Sudeikis is only eight years older than her. So they're actually they have like a similar age difference. He's forty-five. Olivia's 37, and I guess Harry's 27, which, wow, time flies. I can't believe Harry Styles is going through a Saturn return. Yeah, man, this is his big Saturn return moment. So, you know, he said a bunch of other sort of word salad breakup quotes, hold yourself accountable, endeavor to learn something, blah, 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 blah. So I think what we're kind of getting from this is that he, 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 doesn't really know how to feel, and he was sort of surprised by the breakup. So, what? What do? You, what's your astrological read on this? Well, I think yeah, the article was a, a really wonderful uh, offering from Jason because I do think we all had the same question. I think like this breakup, they they seemed like such a solid couple, and they had the kids, and they were so cute together. And then they just randomly broke up and like immediately she's with Harry Styles. And there was also some confusion about like, because when she was seen out with Harry Styles at first, the breakup had not even really been confirmed. And so there was all these questions of like, was she cheating? Like what, you know, what was really going on here, you know? So I feel like, okay, first of all, let's look at Jason's chart. So Jason is I just want to interject real quick and say, I love a female director leaving her partner for her muse. It's very Peter Bogdanovich, you know, like every dipshit direct male director from the mid 20th century who fucking had like a wife who helped him get to the top. And then the minute he was able to cast an ingenue was like JK. So, you know, little dose of their own medicine. Yeah, it's fucking, it's time for the women to be dipshits now, people, okay? It's our turn, okay? And that's not what feminism's all about. I will eat my hat. One, no, we don't want to eat hat here on the Space Trash Podcast because the hats are so cute. Everybody go buy merch. The bucket <laughs> hats are sold out, but we got caps and the bucket hats will be back, LOL. Um, also, well, I'll get back to it, but Harry's actually not going through his Saturn return yet. He's actually a Saturn Pisces, zero degrees. So oh. he's, he's coming right up. He, this is actually his like final lessons before the big Saturn return. Okay, so this relationship is not going to be joining him in his Saturn return. I would say he's going to jettison it maybe even this week while the rest of us are jettisoning things. Wow. Maybe, we don't know, but okay, sorry, continue. Let's look at the charts. We don't, let's, we'll make, I haven't even looked at any of these, so we're just, we're going to feel it out together, right? Okay, so first of all, Jason is a Virgo sun, Pisces moon. So what does this mean? Number one, oh, I feel bad a, for him already. Oh, well, I mean, I'm curious, like, so tell me, like, when I say that, like, as a, as a student of astrology, like, what do you already know about him, Virgo sun, Pisces moon? Virgo sun, he likes rules. He likes to be by the book. He's a, maybe a little OCD, uh, and he, I think, and Pisces moon is obviously super emo. So I feel like he really thought that him and Olivia were in it to win it. And he was like, yes, we've had two children together. Like, of course we will be together forever. But I would say to him, like, buddy, first of all, it's Hollywood. 
Second of all, I'm sure you never actually got married despite having two kids for a reason. So I, I, continue. That's my read. Yeah. On well, right. Okay. So, so Jason is a Pisces sun, Virgo, I mean, a, a Virgo sun, Pisces moon. Right. So it's like on the inside. Yeah. He's very watery. He's very emo. He's very uh, intuitive. Right. But Virgo sons care a lot about like public image and how you're seeing them. So like whether or not the breakup upset him, I would bet a billion dollars that it was more upsetting that he didn't, that they didn't publicly announce their breakup before she was seen out with someone else. Like the way that the news broke probably bothered him more than fucking anything because he's like, Hey, uh, we have these two kids. Uh, Hey, like I'm a funny guy. I really am not trying to like number one, be sad or get got in public. And but I would bet you that he had some suspicion. Like, I bet you that he sort of knew that the end was coming, but was sort of trying to um, hold on on some level. Well, like, they, Virgo. They could have talked about it before it went public. I'm sure they did. Yeah, but I feel like I've read. Now, when we, when we take our break, I'm going to take a look. Because I feel like he actually made a statement that it was when he saw them out together, he, he also had, I think it was like a little bit, confusing like I actually don't I think that maybe they were like my guess would be that like they maybe were on a break mm. or like they were they were like separating but like kind of still you know figuring it out because I think that if I remember correctly I'm pretty sure that that when those pictures of Harry and Olivia came out he made some statement that was just like I'm learning about this you know with you guys like this is not something that I was aware of and I think it hurt him deeply I mean the vibe I got okay. from the article was just that he was really hurt. I mean, he, she hasn't really made any statement like that. He really felt betrayed, I think. And I, I think he was shocked by the breakup, honestly, because in a way, I don't think that they had really talked about it because she did meet him on set while she was directing. I think this was like a, one of those things that it was like, you know, kind of like with Rupert and Kristen Stewart. Like, I think it was one of those things where if the pictures hadn't come out, then he might have talked about it with Olivia afterwards. But because the pictures came out, I think it was, I think the thing for him, it was less about like losing his, you know, baby mama or fiance or whatever. I think it was more like you did this like behind my back and we didn't put out a joint statement before you were just getting people speculating about what was going on with us because you're holding hands with some child. Now, here's the thing also, and I've been listening back to this podcast and I realized that I always say, here's the thing and I'm going to stop. I'm I think stop. that's a really great cue. I think people are going to go, Ooh, a thing. Let me pay attention. I'm doing dishes, but let me stop for a minute. Cause there's a thing. <laughs> okay. Let me, let me rephrase. Well, I'll say it in French for Bastille day. Ici, c'est la chose. Oh, Jason Sudeikis is now dating a much younger British woman who's like sort of a sex symbol. She's a page three girl, which is what they call the girls who in the tabloids here, they would have page three. There's all these girls like with their tots out. So he's dating a former page three girl who I think is an actress now. So he is like, oh, you can date a young, hot British sex symbol. So can I. So what's that about? Is that the Pisces moon? Seems like it. Does he have a Gemini Chiron? Well, Molly, you are so fucking smart. So he doesn't have a Gemini Chiron, but what he does have is, all, he, so what he has is a uh, Mars in Gemini and she has her moon in Gemini. So the way so, he fights wars is by being like, oh yeah, I can be your twin. I can be just exactly. like- Exactly. Wow. Molly, you're getting it. And 
when we see moon Mars uh, conjunctions in sinistry. So we know no, that when, by the way, the red is awesome. Did oh, you get it redone? Yeah, I got it colored before I left Philly. It's if so anyone good. Needs, if anyone needs a stylist in Philly, you send me my number. Kathleen is a goddess. I've never been that comfortable, like really changing my hair color until her. And now I'm like, do what you want with me. Um, love a Philly Kathleen. Love oh, yeah. a Philly Kathleen. Any Kathleen through in Philly, Delco, Montco, Cherry Hill. Mm -hmm. If she's a Kathleen and she's in that area, she's a grade A human. Kathleen Keenan, Irish as it gets. Mm. Okay, so Olivia and Jason and Harry. Okay, so Olivia's moon is in Gemini with her North Node. Jason's Mars is in Gemini. So number one, you're so fucking right that like the way he's going to retaliate or the way that he's going to fight this fight is to be like, and I can do what you're doing. Anything you can do, I can do matter. Yeah. But what we also know, like in Sinistry, when you have a Mars connection with the moon, you know, sometimes it can be like, there's, a diff there's different versions of the expression of it. But what I would guess is that her essential nature actually really triggered him. So I think that it wasn't the kind of thing where I think, so, so she has a Pisces sun, right? So they have a real connection there. He's a Pisces moon. She's a Pisces sun. So on the front of it, and for him, he felt, I think, very safe, supported. Like, I think, you know, Pisces suns kind of know how to, tell me. Why do you think he felt safe and supported? Because she is such a free spirit. Like, she was like played a lesbian on the OC when there were no openly gay characters besides Luke's dad. Yeah, so, so, cool. so cool. yeah, I think it's because when you have synastry like that, like when your moon matches the sun of the other person, what ends up happening is like his inner nature is how she expresses. So, you know, as a Pisces sun, as a Pisces sun, she appears to be that sort of, you know, ethereal, safe space, super, super spiritual, super go with the flow, like very uh, sort of, you know, um, like water mother, like water goddess, you know, but then her internal nature, you know, Gemini moon need a lot of action. Gemini moons flip their opinions. My mom has a Gemini moon and she can say two completely opposite like ideologies like she can she can literally say one thing and then say the exact opposite thing within minutes right and then she'll be yeah. like what what literally and i'll be like mom that doesn't make sense how could one be true if the other is true and she's like okay things are a little deeper than that stat you know what i mean so like gemini moons gemini moons are like i want to go out but i also want to stay in or i like him but i also like him and you know so like for olivia she's like okay i'm dating a slightly older guy but then there's always this part of her that's like and I kind of want a fucking slightly younger guy too. Like Gemini moons want to experience both. Every Gemini moon wants a little bit of both, right? So, so, so why did they break up? Why did Olivia and Jason break up in your astrological opinion? And by the way, everyone, this is just fanfic at this point. Yeah, we, we have no idea. We literally don't know them personally. But my guess would be that he um, wanted to, I, I think- at the beginning, there was that real connection of like that, the, that Pisces meeting Pisces, like, wow, we are so able to just like float away. Like the whole thing probably felt like an LSD trip at the very beginning. And because he has that uh, Virgo son, I think for her, he probably provided a certain level of 
you know, structure and, and rulemaking and sort of, you know, he, he sort of cared a lot. He cares a lot about like image and he cares a lot about, you know, things being appropriate or things being the way that they're supposed to be, right? Like Virgos are rule followers. Now, the thing about Jason, because he's a Virgo Pisces, on the one hand, he's a super rule follower, but part of that is because he needs that structure because Pisces moons can be so, like, so intuitive, so emotional, so psychic that they actually need that sense of reality to kind of snap them out of their, like, you know, fantastical world, their, their minds, their delusions, like, you know? So I think that, that they probably, what'd you say? You're muted, LOL. <laughs> Do you think he, he put a structure on her that she initially was a huge fan of because it helped her to get her Pisces shit together? And then once she got to this point where she's a freaking director and a director who's doing well, she was like, oh, you have too much rules, too much control, and you care too much what people think of you. That is what I think happened. And I also think it's, it might even be less about him and more about the fact because she's a Gemini moon, I think it's like for the Olivia Wilde character who's the actress, this was her, you know, this was her persona as actress Olivia Wilde. When she became Olivia Wilde, the director, in, I think it flipped a switch in her mind where she just became like a sort of this other character. Like Gemini moons have like mm. multiple personalities, multiple identities. Like sometimes they're, you know, my, my, my best friend Haley, like she is a, a fabulous real estate broker, right? But then like when, I, when, when things were IRL, she also was like a comedy producer and she was like producing all the stuff and she was the producer of Weep and she does a ton of this, like she has like, like producer party girl creative Haley, but then she wakes up in the morning and is like a very high end real estate broker. So it's like Gemini moons have these dual personalities and they have a need to express two things at once or to be able to flip flop between. So I, I think she was like- I also feel like real estate is like the number one career for people who like to party a lot. And then they're like, <laughs> oh, I guess I have to get a real job. And they've, they're like, well, I've met all these rich people through partying. So, so might funny. as well utilize that. Well, and like part of the job of real estate, because it really is like a relationship business. So it's like, you can justify, you could be like, I'm going to happy hour with all these rich people. And it's, it's like a work thing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Genius. But yeah, so I think that she, I think that he kind of always understood this duality because his Mars is in uh, Gemini. So it's like, yeah, he's an actor. He can do serious stuff. He can do comedy stuff. He, you know, but I think for him, having that family structure was really all he wanted. Like, I don't, I don't think that Pisces moons, you know, sometimes they can be a little bit like all over the place, like going from here to there. But for the most part, Virgo sun, Pisces moon, you know, he wants his freedom, but he wants to know that he can go home to something stable. Like, and, and, and even for anybody that has intense Pisces in their chart, you know, you kind of want that port because you are truly so like, like yeah, for Pisces me, is a, so ethereal. As a Pisces rising, it's like, I dated artists, like you said, with little, little teeny doodles all through my, tw no, just kidding. Only some of them. Most of them didn't. Big doodles, big doodles. Yeah. So I dated a lot of artists in my twenties or people who wanted desperately to be considered artists. And for <laughs> me as like a creative person, creative plus creative was not great. It, it was right. like 
someone needs to be the grown up here, you know? Right. And if one of us was absurdly successful, then we would have had like a manager or an agent that's going to be the grown up. But if you don't have anyone over top of you being like, okay, like you have to pay the electricity bill. It's just like never going to happen. So I, I percent. Well, and Olivia's chart. So Olivia is a Pisces sun. She's a moon in Gemini, but then she also has her Venus in Aquarius. This is a very multi-partner chart. Like this is not, I don't get the sense that she, you know, one of the, one of the men that I've dated over the years is a, is the same thing is a Pisces sun, Gemini moon. And he's the one, and with all that Aquarius, he's the one I was talking about before with Gabby too, where it was like, he's, if I am polyamorous, it's because there's no way this dude was ever going to, like, I've said to him a million times, like when he's been like fantasizing about like his future or whatever, I'm like, you're not going to, this like wife and like picket fence, Westchester home life that you're imagining. And he's like, yeah, right. Like I'll have that. But then like, you'll be my girlfriend who I buy an apartment for in the city. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like this is an outrage. Well, but it's like, he's not even kind of like, like looking at his chart. I'm like, oh, I kind of get that. Like Aquarius, Venus, Gemini moon. You just need multiple things. You need a couple of girlfriends. You need a couple of jobs. You need to, you need like a lot of, a lot of stimulation from, I don't think I don't think Olivia is going to get married again until she's in her, you know, fifties. I I don't think, I don't know. I don't think she'll get married. Yeah. So do you think in one minute or less that she and Harry Styles will stay together? Well, let's take a look at Harry's chart, shall we? So Harry is a Libra moon Aquarius sun. So here's what I think. I think on some level, it's not that they will or they won't stay together. I think when we're talking about why aren't more celebrities openly poly? I think they could actually lead us in, you Hmm. know, like future celebrity, you know, alternative relationships or brothels. Like I think the part of why Harry and Olivia work is because they both don't really have charts that lend themselves to like hardcore monogamy or, or, you know, they both really need and get off on having a lot of freedom and having a lot of space. So I think, you know, whereas like Jason is like, um, I'm a Virgo and you're my fucking wife to be. What the fuck, right? Where she's like, no, if we all fuck together, it could be kind of fun, right? And it's like, no, Jason's like, fuck you. I'm just going to get my own young Brit, okay? And I think Harry's like, oh, you're married. That's all right. You know, like, I see there's love everywhere for all people. So like, I could see Olivia and Harry going the long haul, but like it, it coming out, you know, over time that like, they each have other lovers or, you know, they, you know, he's bisexual or, you know, I I think that that's going to be more of what we find out with them. Like part of why they may have longevity if they do is because they don't actually need it. Fascinating. And they're going to topsy-turvy it and they're going to lead us into the alleged revolution that's been supposed to be happening since the sixties. All right. That's what I think. I'm down with that. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Let's talk about the nap dress. The nap dress is basically a smocked sort of juicy couture, smocked bathing suit cover up with sleeves, I would say, made of- Sort of a muumuu, like a muumuu vibe. Right, it's more of a muumuu vibe. It's sort of this year's answer to the caftan invented by this woman named Nell Diamond, who you tell me that your your brother knows her? You know her well. I've hung out with her. Yeah, my brother. that's like my brother's best friend from college. That's cool. So she invented this nap dress for her brand, Hill House Home, and it's really trendy. People are loving it. They also make like mommy and me dresses. And this writer who I really admire, Anne Helen Peterson, wrote about it on her sub stack. And it just like sent me in a little bit of a spiral. And I want to get your thoughts on it. She sort of, because I was only slightly aware of the nap dress. Well, because you know, it's not just now, like, so Nell invented it and put it out there, but now we have tons of nap dresses. Like we got old Navy nap dresses. We have like, now it's, it, and I don't know if it's actually an address that she invented, but I think naming it that and making that kind of the like vibe of the outfit was her doing. Yes. Um, but they're everywhere now, right? Okay. So what is this woman's problem with the nap dress? So it's not a problem per se. And this is why I'm like, this is my shit. Do you know what I mean? Like when I'm reading this, so she writes this incredibly well-researched um, newsletter article about how it's sort of a continuation of Laura Ashley in the 80s. And Laura Ashley was a super preppy British lady who like she was quoted as saying, someone said to her, oh, your dresses make women look pregnant. And she said, what's better than being pregnant? So it's sort of like living out this ideal of like barefoot and pregnant mm. in the home. Mm -hmm. In the Nell Diamond interviews, she says like, the only thing I ever want to do is stay home. So I think the implicit argument that critics of the nap dress are making is that it's like setting women back because you can't wear it to your girl boss office job. Well, actually, I would say, not to speak for Nell, but I think that she would beg to differ because if you even look at the way that Nell is styling the nap dress, one of the big things that she talks about a lot on her personal Instagram is how, you know, you can do that barefoot mommy hiding my body, wearing a twinsie with my baby thing. But then if you pair it with a, you know, a great pair of pumps or, or heeled sandals, like she actually does talks a lot about taking it from day to night, from taking mm -hmm. it from napping in the house to wearing it to work or wearing it to a dinner party or something. So I think Nell very specifically doesn't want it to be something that is like relegating us to the home, but it's actually something that's saying like, if we're going to go out, we still can be comfy cozy. Yeah. So there was this line in this story, which I don't want to nitpick it because like I said, it was incredibly researched. Everyone should look it up. Anne Helen Peterson nap dress and it will come up. It was really, really interesting to read the history of Laura Ashley and everything because Laura Ashley was before my time. I never knew about it, but, well, but I loved my, when I was a baby, we had tons of Laura Ashley, like baby stuff. Yeah, I didn't. I think I had the knockoffs from Sears, you know? And so yeah, yeah. she says one of the lines that she said that 
bothered me a little was that she was like this sort of muumuu kind of dress symbolizes control over women's bodies and it's like no anything that lets me have a food baby and just float around my house like barfing on myself is not really controlling my body i actually think it's the exact opposite i think it's like allow yourself to lose control we can't see any of your shape anyway right it's like taking full pressure off of the figure right and the closest analog I can think of in recent times is the maxi dress. And even a maxi dress, you still had to be a little svelte. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there weren't too many maxi, like, I guess there are certain maxi dresses that are like shapeless and maybe you might belt, but for the most part, the way that the maxi dresses were shaped, if I remember like the original maxi dresses, it was like sort of that like tube top top and then the bottom. Right. So right, maxi dresses were still a little bit more revealing, a little bit sexier, a little they're bit skimming, like skimming along the body. Yeah. Yeah, like there were there were there were more for show. Whereas I think the nap dress is like full permission to just write like stomach out, tits out, no bra, no shoes, or throw it on with your Manolos and go to the dinner. But either way, like I actually think it's like full permission to just be comfortable. Yeah, I love it. And now I want to buy a hundred of them. I have like a knockoff from Urban Outfitters that I cannot recommend enough. And also it's really cute. Like whenever Nick sees me wearing it, he goes, wow. He just like stops and goes, wow. So then Nick, I was like, you are the one. I know. But so then I was like, maybe this is why this is like making me insecure reading this really well-researched, very smart article about it because I'm like, okay, raised by a second wave feminist, epitome of girl boss mom, like don't want to be catering to the male gaze in the comfort of my own home. But also at the same time, like Career's not going amazing. That's not true. The career is going amazing and you can do it from your nap dress. Right. But that's the thing. Like, because I can do my career from my nap dress, I'm like probably going to be a stay at home mom whenever I have kids. So I think the reason why this nap dress discourse is giving me a panic attack is because like, as a Capricorn who was raised by a second wave feminist, I'm like, no, I should be in a blazer, but as a Pisces rising who- No, Pisces rising dream dress. Yes, like I don't want to, yeah, I I like socializing with work, but I hate being in an office environment. I just, I want to wear an app dress every day. So I I guess I'm just saying that's why I'm- I actually think this is less like your own shit. And I think this is Helen's shit. Yeah, I think- As well-researched as it is, if you have an issue with women, uh, you know, presenting like women, it's a little Camille, a little Camille Puglia-esque or whatever her name is, you know, like- Camille Paglia, yeah. Paglia, Paglia. It's a little bit like, yeah, but we might be creating an issue here where there's not. And like, if you don't want to wear the nap dress, you can fucking put on a blazer. But the reason that this trend has become just so widespread and hot is because I think as women, we're, we're taught that like in order to like play the game, in order to like, you know, in order to participate in anything legitimate, we have to write, we have to be in the blazer. We have to be wearing something right. sexy, but not too sexy. We have to, and I think what Nell is doing is kind of cool because she's, I mean, the thing about it is like, you know, even if Nell's like, all I want to do is stay home. At the end of the day, 
Nell is stupid rich. She doesn't have to do anything with her life if she doesn't want to. And actually, she's a businesswoman by choice in the nap dress. Also, I think the nap dress is the sartorial embodiment of the divine feminine. I agree. I agree. It's like, let us just be comfortable. Let us be cozy. Don't focus on our curves. Don't focus on our bodies. Let us just like be in this smock and use our brains. Yeah. And like one of the comparisons that Anne Helen Peterson made that I, that did really resonate with me was she was saying how like the, the closest antecedent for, in terms of who's wearing this is Lululemon leggings. Like these women who are wearing the nap dress and the mommy and me, which mommy and me dress is separate. I don't think I'm ever going to fucks with that. But the, the, the women who are wearing the nap dress now, they were wearing the Lululemon leggings like three years ago. So how liberating is that? Instead of wearing workout clothes 24 seven, we're wearing moo's. like, let's do it. And I don't want to wear it. I also think it's like so much more, you know, the thing about the Lululemon, you know, yoga pants craze is like partially they were so popular because we could all pretend that we had just like come from yoga, even if we had not. Okay. Mm -hmm. But the truth is the reason that we all like loved them so much was not because they were like so comfy. It was because they made our asses look great. Yeah, that's true. And it really isn't for us. It's for the gaze. It's for that male gaze. It's, It's so that people can look at our asses while we also are appearing to be someone that works out. Right. So I feel like the nap dress is actually totally fucking liberating in the way where it's like, nah, you don't have to pretend to work out. The divine feminine principle is like doing less is more. Relaxing is work. Sleeping is work. Like self-care is a part of, you know, getting the divine feminine, like getting the best of the divine feminine. So I actually think it's a super empowering uh, sort of a, a very feminist apparel, if you will. And like, let's not kid ourselves. We can all pull off a nap dress on a Zoom meeting, if nothing else. Like, you know, you can't- I'll send you links. Look at Nell and her Malone, I mean, her Manolos with the nap dress. She looks chic. Yeah, that's cute. I'm going to wear mine this weekend with heels. See? It also reminded me of, I was watching a back episode of Sex in the City a couple weeks ago, and I actually forget which one it was, but they were just talking about- they're all back episodes now. Yeah, you're right. They're all back episodes. But there was an there was this one where they were all. It wasn't the baby shower episode, but it was similar where they're all talking about how like tragic and terrible. uh, Oh, it was when Charlotte's getting married and quitting her job, and all of her friends are acting like it's like a betrayal. And it's Uh, like, well, why is it better to like she's gonna have to raise a kid, and if she doesn't quit her job, she has to outsource that. So like someone has to do the work. Why are we pretending that like no one has to do that work? Because like, if you're not doing it yourself, then you're paying someone else your entire paycheck to do it. So it's so weird to turn that into like a cudgel to beat each other with of being like, oh, how dare you like be a stay at home mom. That's terrible. Yeah, I actually totally agree. And I do think it's like, if you choose to be a working mother or you choose to be a stay at home mother, there's not one right answer, right? Like whatever works for you and your family is the right thing to do. But I do think that like, there is sort of something empowering about really treating stay at home mom. Like it's a legitimate, I mean, it is a lot of work. I'm not saying it is the hardest job in the world. Yeah. I have no The idea. hardest job in the world is being a mom who also works full time. Like don't get right. it. Right, way that's, harder. Yeah. But, like, it is, but it's like, it is a full time job. And like, if you're going to be a stay at home mom, Number one, get that nap dress. And if you have to go out, you don't have to change. Just throw it on with some heels, okay? 
But the second piece is like, let's actually validate that as a lifestyle. That's actually not a weak choice. It's actually a completely valid way to spend, you know, your 30s and 40s. And it's pragmatic because again, like when I was growing up, my mom's entire paycheck went to preschool. So like, what the hell was the point of that? And I think we should normalize stay-at-home dads 100%. But at the same so time- I will, if, if I ever have children, I will absolutely require a stay-at-home dad. Like there's nothing that could, We are Capricorn sun, Capricorn moons. We love to work. We would do this for fun. We are doing this for fun. Right. But also at the same time, the minute stay-at-home dads become normalized, it's going to be the most annoying thing in the world. <laughs> well, you know, let's also get male birth control and like male periods going. So please, come on. Yeah, I mean, we need equality everywhere. And it's going to become like, suddenly there's going to be subsidies for stay-at-home parents just because dads are doing it. You know what I mean? Like the way that like principals never made good money until men started doing it. Like, and all of a sudden <laughs> there are these male elementary school principals who are making six figures. Like that's not a coincidence either. Yeah. But you know what, if that's what it takes to create change, because even if it is just because of the men that are joining the workforce of stay-at-home parents, it will still help the, the, like whatever then gets created, it's not going to be just for the men. So it's like, whatever. If we, so long as we're still in these like fucked up systems of social norms, if it takes the men to do what the women do in order for us all to get paid more, I'm here for it. Yeah. But the men will still get paid more. That's the problem. Well, we will fight, we'll fight it to the death in our nap dresses. Yes. Legally Blonde just turned 20. Old. We are old. I know. So let's, I just want to do a quick screenwriting exercise, Love. which will probably be more educational than my entire MA was, but I want to talk about how it would be different today. How do you think Legally Blonde would be different if they made it in 2021? Wow. Well, first of all, I'm not sure it would be lawyer as the thing. Like so true. It would, it would just, the first thing that would change, it would be like a completely different field. Like, so now it might be like, you know, aerospace engineer or like, you know, but, but even is, space is problematic now. I know we got to talk about that next. Cause I'm so curious on your, on your thoughts on these billionaires going to like, not deep space, like inner space, although shallow space. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. But I feel like the first thing that would be different is that it wouldn't be being a lawyer. That was like the thing, because there are so many women lawyers and there are so many, you know, this just, it's more normal now. Um, I think that would probably be different. Also, like being a lawyer is considered problematic. It's like, oh, you're, you know, leeching money off of people. If anything, maybe she would be like a pro bono lawyer, like a Sandy Cohen, but then that's not aspirational enough for it to have the same excitement at the end. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, or maybe, or, or it could be the kind of thing where maybe it's something like, okay, so she's like blonde and ditzy, like LA girl, whatever. Maybe it would be like, she'd be becoming a surgeon or something. Maybe not or that there I, aren't female surgeons, but like just the kind in the, in the way of like to me, law now in a, in many ways seems more feminine than anything because it really is about like the, the you know who is the best arguer, and we all know that's the women. Yeah, and also post recession, a million people went to law school and didn't get jobs. So yeah, it's the the market is too saturated. I think becoming a surgeon would also be a little too problematic because they're jobs are so inflated by the health insurance market. I think that's not feel good. I think the only thing that might be feel good enough is like, even though it's actually dystopian, 
is building an app. Like I think maybe she's oh, so maybe it'll be her going like yeah, becoming like a, a tech entrepreneur. Right. Which like we all know is fucked up, but like the general public still sees as like rah rah, that's awesome, which I think mm-hmm. is the same. Like everyone always knew lawyers were not like the most right. she would be like or she'd be like 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 right, like an answer to the Theranos woman. Yes. Yes. She'd be doing like fake blood transfusions and stuff. Okay. So she's in, she's in the tech world. Warner gets funding. I think what happens is Warner gets funding for his project and he's like, okay, I have to break up with you now because I'm moving to Silicon Valley. So she's like, instead of I'm moving to Harvard, she's also like, I have to get into, uh, it's not USC. What is the one they all go to in Palo Alto? Oh, um, Scranton, Stanford, not Scranton. What? How opposite? Could you like office jobs? No, 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 no. Right, like yeah, they would all go to Stanford. She would get into Stanford and participate in this sort of like you know right, like 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 the tech fundraising game. Would she still be Reese Witherspoon? I think she would probably be Zendaya. Ooh, okay, yeah, she would probably be Zendaya, and she'd be in a motherfucking nap dress. She'd be in maybe a nap dress, yeah. I think she might even, like, she definitely can't be, like, a white blonde lady. Like, that is no longer the final frontier of, like, who who's allowed to be other in movies, you know? Right, like, either she's, like, yeah, Zendaya, or just, like, you know, Lupita, like, who's just, like, oh, you don't think that I'm capable of this? Watch me. And I think Selma Blair is now the Reese Witherspoon archetype. Like, Dove Cameron Selma- is yeah, playing yeah, 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 yeah. Selma Blair yeah, part. Yeah. And I think that like Brandon, Brandon Snap would be like a trans woman. Oh yeah, yeah, probably, probably. And like, what would Ben and Snap? It wouldn't be about getting a guy. Would it still be about getting a guy? Like, would Warner? Would that still be the animus of? Yeah, yeah it would. Actually. Yeah, I guess it would have to be. I think it would be yeah. Here's the biggest elephant in the room of this thought exercise: They don't make rom coms for wide studio release anymore. Oh my God, is that true? I guess that's true. Only one in recent years really was Crazy Rich Asians. And that's Wait, because- what happened to the rom-com? Because they're just not worth the gamble because like they don't, they don't sell as much every single time. Like if you're making a Marvel Universe or like DC or like Star Wars movie, you can always bank on a gazillion people watching it because- everyone in the world can resonate with those movies because they deal with issues of life or death, you know? And it's like easy to understand. It's epic. It's fun. It's dramatic. Romantic comedies are more like, it's like a comedy of manners. So already you're really like, if it's not the same culture where it was made, it's going to be difficult. Like Crazy Rich Asians bombed in most of Asia because people- Oh, it bombed in Asia too. Yeah, because no crazy, crazy rich Asians killed in the U.S. and Europe and other parts of the world. Interesting. It was really a story told from a Western perspective, but it just didn't resonate with people who actually like born and raised in Asia. So that's why like no one makes rom coms anymore because like so many of them just don't translate because now the film industry is like a worldwide game. And also back when, like in the 80s and 90s, they were pumping out so many films. If like one out of 10 turned a huge profit, it would make up for all the other ones, but they don't do it that way anymore. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's not the math. So the thing is, if Legally Blonde was being made today, 
it would probably, since it's existing IP, it might get a full theatrical release, but overall. But I mean, it's not totally, I mean, like all the Amy Schumer hits, like Trainwreck and uh, I Feel Pretty, like those are rom-coms, but it's like they're pretty. I think I Feel Pretty didn't turn a profit, but Trainwreck was huge blockbuster maybe it was less because that was a rom-com and more because like it was like it was a comedy and it was a vehicle for a comedian yeah I don't know I don't know but yeah that's the thing it's like also Trainwreck probably wasn't like a worldwide hit it was probably like a New York LA hit you know what I mean interesting to find out because you're right I can't uh, that's like the first thing that came to my mind is Trainwreck and I'm trying to think like what other rom-coms have been released recently and like I really can't think of any Right. They don't do it anymore. It's like comic book movies or Oscar bait. That's the other thing. Like rom-coms aren't prestigious. They don't get these prestige awards. So that's well, another reason that's why. why people that we've like, like, so like when I think of like the king of rom-com, I think of Woody Allen and we are now not even allowed to say if we watched his new movie on Amazon. <laughs> right. I loved it. I loved well, it. queen of rom-com, Nora Ephron. Nancy Myers still does rom-com. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. But like, she's a relic. That's the thing. Like Nancy right. Myers and Woody Allen are like, like if you're in film school writing rom-coms, good fucking luck. Which I was. That is all I wrote in film school. Me too. I, all I wrote was comedy and it's just like, it's not going to get made. And like romantic. Like it was always about like a girl who's dumpy and trying to find love. Uh, autobiographical, probably. You're not dumpy and you're also not trying to find love. Not at the moment, but I certainly have had my fair share of uh, cinematic heartbreaks. Okay, that I believe, because of your <laughs> Gemini moon. Or is yeah, it? Gemini rising, Gemini yeah, rising. Yeah, I get into a lot of, a lot of shit. <laughs> okay, so we agree Legally Blonde, if it got made today, Zendaya. Yeah, it would be like legally fundraising. Yeah, and like it would be Tech World, and like the villain would be Reese Witherspoon-esque, and... Yeah, I like in the, in the future version of it, like Reese and what was his name? Hunter, the guy? Warner. Reese and Warner would have like sm- smushed the beef and like partnered, even if they both are seeing other people. And like, it would be like attack of the blondes on the, on the POC, I think. No, because Reese is supposed to be the good one. Right. But now that we've like fast forwarded to 2021, like, the, like, I feel like we would assume that maybe they like, because like Reese at the end of the day is still just like evil blonde. Okay, no, here's what I think it would be. I think Reese now is a VC. Like, she's been in law for a really long time, and now she holds the keys to the kingdom. And, like, the, the like, end of Act 2 until midway through Act 3 is when Reese does something kind of, like, borderline racist. And it's like, oh, no, like, our queen has turned against us. And then midway through Act 3, she sort of, like, redeems herself and... But then the protagonist gets the funding without Reese. Yeah, the protagonist gets the funding without Reese. And Reese is so, um, like, just embarrassed and has learned her lesson that now she's only funding, like, feminine POC businesses. Yes, yes, I think that's what it would be. But then the carrot at the end of the stick is 
obviously the guy. I feel like in order to, yeah, to keep it with the rom-com genre, she is chasing a guy. But so then at the end, like the consolation prize that Reese got in the original Legally Blonde was she graduated from Harvard, she got the job, and she got Luke Wilson. So like, And he, let, he was chasing her at the end, and she was like not interested anymore. Yeah. So I think, I guess the carrot at the end of this one is she just gets her out. Well, well, I think it's like the guy who she's chasing, like she realizes is a douche. And then there's like an Idris Elba, like, like, like no, he billionaire ready to fucking be a stay at home dad now. And the Warner character gets me too'd. So his app never launches. Yeah. 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 Love, love. That's what it is. Um, and I think she also doesn't even go to Stanford because I also think that that's too problematic now because it's expensive and you have to be rich. Yeah, but like if it is legally brought blonde 2.0 or whatever, like I think it's I think it maybe maybe she just is a rich woman. I mean, she could still be rich. Yeah, and it can just or she could like, get a scholarship, or there could be some. You know, I sort of feel like like playing in the high end world, whatever that means, is kind of like the the trope. Right, but like in Palo Alto, you already are in that. Like, I think she just moves into like an, a house where a bunch of people live together, like an incubator, like in Silicon Valley. Yeah, she moves into like a think tank housing group. Yeah, and and they're like, no one goes to college anymore, and that's like a joke in like in like Act One. You know what I mean? Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, I think we nailed this down. Love it. Billionaires in space: Richard Branson, Elon Musk. Have you been following this? Sort of. Okay, so give us the give us the cliff notes if anybody missed the big launch yesterday or two days ago. <sighs> well, it was the eleventh. Richard Branson went into space. Well, I also think this is like the beginning of where the controversy starts because, like, technically he went into space, but what a lot of people are saying is like you didn't go into space; you went higher than the planes go. But you didn't, like, go into deep space. He wasn't, like, out there, you know, seeing Neptune and seeing Jupiter. He went to just, like, the edge of our atmosphere. Also, isn't it controversial because the U.S. defines space as lower than what the rest of the world defines space as? That is so American, right? That we would be like, let's just make, let's just make the... The, let's like change what we consider space so that we can take more credit for getting into space. It's like, yeah, guys. Ew. If we're talking about competing globally, we have to be competing with the same rules. Right. But we, we never do that. Do yeah. you think the moon landing happened? Yeah. And I think it's not a coincidence that it happened on July 20th, which is my birthday in 1969, which is my favorite position. Okay. All right. What's like... Can you look up the chart of the moon landing? Yeah. And the chart of Richard Branson going into space and the chart of Elon Musk going into space. Space. Elon Musk didn't go in yet, though. What Did he? No, I don't. Th- I think he's like Mr. Mars. So I think like Bezos and Branson are like, we're going up, we're going down. And I think Elon is like, we're colonizing. Okay. So that actually makes me respect Elon more than Richard Branson because Richard Branson, I'm like, you're literally just like jizzing your pants on a world stage. Yeah. I mean, well, that's kind of what he does, right? Yeah. But at least usually it results in like a great in-flight experience, you know? Well, I do think that people had a lot of fun. They reached the no gravity zone 
And I think, what was it? He took a few people with him. Like, it wasn't like just him and his friend. It was like, I think there was like a, a flight that went up and it was yeah. like, it's so funny though. You listen to the reports and it's like for as little as $500,000. It's like, oh, for as little as $500,000? It's like, okay, who is this for? This is, uh, $500,000 is like what people make in a lifetime. Like, come on. Also, why would you ever risk that? Like so frequently, spaceships explode like they couldn't even they had to stop the concord because it like crashed and burned so many i mean i don't think that's why they stopped it but like the concord was not even close to as high as branson was going and it would just like crash and burn so why would you risk it yeah i mean because everybody like if you die you go out you go out with a huge story you know what i mean like if you're gonna put your life at risk do it in outer space, you know, every, well, says every astronaut ever, you know, and I, I just feel like, yeah, it's like, if you're gonna, I, I think part of it is like, when you have just a fuck ton of money and unlimited resources, it just like nothing gets you off, you know, nothing gets you off. It's like the only way to, it's like the bungee jumping for the super rich. It's like, I could die, but it'd be worth it. It's like, I, I feel like this is just like the, the, the edgelord version of like flexing how much money you have and what you can do with it. Yeah. It's like climbing Everest and like right. the Sherpa like, does all. You're probably going to die on the summit, but remember me this way. Also the Sherpa does all the work and you just kind of like pay your way into like going up on his back. Right. Richard sat there, he paid for it and he enjoyed the ride. I mean, he didn't, he didn't fly them into space. Yeah. I do think it's completely obscene that people are fucking around with space when so many people on the planet are just living in lives of abject misery. I feel guilty, like, just for having fucking running water, you know? Like, every day I'm just like, oh my God, what did I do to deserve how relatively easy my life is compared to everyone else? you You are just a bitch that is full of humility. It is such a beautiful quality. You are so grateful and you are so humble. I think you deserve running water, Molly, and everybody does. That's really the issue. It's not that you don't deserve it. Everybody deserves it. Yeah. Well, I think it's mostly Catholic guilt. Mm, Right. You're just like looking at something to hang your hat on. You're like, I don't know why I'm just walking around with guilt, but I guess it's because the water's running. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I I just can't even fathom having that much money and being like, yeah, this is what I should do is go to space with this. What we're going to end up seeing is just like a gross abuse of people with money. Like this is going to be like the new bar mitzvah. Like you're going to see like a, just like a flight of 13 year olds come going up and coming down. I mean, again, it's not like from what I understand about, about his big spice trip, they didn't do anything. They just got to the space and then they came back yeah sort of anticlimactic you know it's so stupid it's really stupid yeah all right well and it's such a waste of resources i mean i guess it would be different if they came back and they were like on our trip here's some like knowledge that we discovered that we couldn't have discovered unless we had this you know literal bird's eye view but i don't think that was the case i think it was kind of like it was cool yeah, it was like a roller coaster for them. That yeah, was, it was like it was nothing though. It was just a ride. They got they got on and they got off on Earth. Yeah. So, did you find the um, astrology of the moon landing? So I, based on this chart, I feel that the moon landing did happen, and here's why: on the day of the moon landing, 
uh, the sun, you know, we know the sun was in cancer, Mercury was in cancer. So there was this sort of, um, you know, there was this question of like homes, like where is our home? Where are the, where's our new home, right? But the moon and Jupiter were conjunct in Libra. And I think that's kind of interesting because it's like, you know, the moon, the emotionality of the day and Jupiter kind of like blowing up whatever that emotionality is, was in Libra, which is really like that connection between two worlds or that balance between two things, you know? We also had uh, Uranus exactly conjunct uh, Jupiter on this day, like exactly zero degrees uh, Uranus and Jupiter. So Uranus is like crazy shit happening. It's like a fucking whole new world. It's like, wow, everything's different after this. So I would not be surprised if the moon landing happened. Also, Mars during the day of the moon landing was in Sagittarius, which is like we are driven by going far away. We are going out there. And we did it just to spite Russia, which is like very- We did it to spite Russia and show you that we're better and go to that far away place first on this very auspicious Sarah's birthday in the future. 69, yeah, we're fucking, we're fucking making love to aliens now, okay? I feel that the moon landing happened, and I feel, I mean, even, like, Venus on that day was in Gemini, which is, like, the other side of the story, and, like, something that we didn't know could happen, happened, because it's just this flip of, like, the, you know, the goddess or that love, that receiving energy in this totally different light. I don't know. I think the moon landing happened. Okay. Did we fake the footage? No, I do not think this was a wag the dog situation. I think those guys were up there taking steps. I mean, I don't know. Do you think they fake the footage? I really don't. I, even if they did, I want to believe they did. And I, I mean, I love the footage. They're I know. I think we did it and we landed, but I think we might have faked the footage. Why? Why do you think that? Because, like, it should have burned up when they reentered the atmosphere. What would have the footage? Yes, like film. Not if it was in a cooler. I mean, I don't know what the official term would be. I don't know if it was like a cool, but you know, like even in film school, like you put all your film in the cans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cans protect. I think that they thought that through. I just think, you know, they hired Stanley Kubrick and they made <laughs> some backup footage, and then the footage they took on the moon didn't pan out, and they were like. We'll just use this footage. That's really what it was like. And I think that, like, the guys that actually went up there don't know that it's not the real footage. Yeah, but you know what? The technology of the filmmaking then, it wouldn't have been possible. Like, they didn't have green screens at that time. Like, how would they have even hidden? Because the, the guys really, like, like, you know, gravityless and bouncing. You ever see 2001 A Space Odyssey? Uh, I guess not really. They did it in that. What year was that made? I think like 67. Here, I'll Google it. Damn, damn. You know what? I'm going to look this up between now and next time. And I'll, you know, I'm just such a- 1968. 2001 A Space Odyssey was made in 1968. And you're saying the footage was as we are really on space as it is. Because like, I think of like the Woody Allen ones where he's doing like, you know, space comedy, but it's like so clearly faked. Space comedy. Who would ever do such a thing? Space trash. Did you see the art for Doja Cat's new album? No, let me look. It's very space trash. Oh, oh, oh my God. Should we, Doja, Doja, be a guest on Space Trash? I know. Let me see. 
Doja Cat new album. I mean, I don't know. I do think that it's not a coincidence that all of these guys. So it's like Branson went up on the 11th. Bezos is going up on the 20th. I do think in the same vein of like, you know, America. Oh, I love this Doja Cat. So space trash. She's definitely a listener. Yeah, Doja, 100%. Thank you for listening. You, we're so happy to inspire you. Okay. But I feel like what we're seeing more than anything as like the, the trend is that space really only becomes uh, a viable, you know, quest if it's like competitive. Oh my God, what a good point. Like unless there's someone else saying they'll do it, we're like, who cares? But then the minute that one billionaire is going up, it's like, no, we're going up. No, we're going up too. Actually, we're going up and they're saying it's more auspicious. It's like, oh my God, these guys are just competing. Go together. See, this is why I think we faked the footage. I don't think we faked the landing, but I think, have you ever met a man? Have you ever met a man who wouldn't fake footage in a dick measuring contest with Russia? Mm. Well, I guess the other question then is like, did Russia have footage? No, because we beat them. Allegedly. Yeah, wouldn't you still have a, I feel like I'd bring my camcorder even if someone had been there first. Yeah, but Russia was not on the same level as us cinematically. Mm. So you think like the footage was just created to be kind of like an in your face told you so we did it? Yeah, because I don't think that we could have had the same impact if we didn't have the footage. Because this was at a time when television was so, so important. Like, JFK won the presidency in the late 60s or in the early 60s because of television. Like, it was just the biggest thing in the world. It's like, imagine if we went to Mars right now and they didn't allow the footage to go on social media. And they were like, oh no, we're, ha we're keeping the footage. No one can see it unless, you know, whatever. Like it was so important to have that footage. That was actually more important than even it happening. Well, I mean, on the day of this moon landing, hypothetically, the North Node was in Pisces, meaning like we were all meant to not only like get a little more spiritual and out of this world, but there was a focus on artistry and on the creative power of mm -hmm. you know like taking that virgo south note i mean like what can we make you know so so maybe the footage based on this chart i could see the and also with venus in gemini it's like okay we did go but we're gonna have to like we're gonna have to like fake the footage or make we're new gonna, footage. we're gonna have to pretty it up a little bit yeah yeah we're gonna have to like show it now because we couldn't actually show it right like what is america's actual number one import besides pointless wars Cinema, television, music. That is what we're good at. We're good at monetizing the arts and broadcasting it far and wide. We're not good at infrastructure. Like a new form of transportation into the atmosphere, that's infrastructure. We don't put money into that. Well, but the billionaires, I guess, are pretending to, right? Like, like the billionaires are saying, like, we have created, we have paid for the technology to do this. And what their argument is, I think when it's like, yeah, but you could pay for an entire school's worth of supplies and whatever. You could pay for a whole country's, you know, food stamps or whatever. They're saying like, well, the quest into space is humanitarian because it actually is like bringing the future forward for everyone where like, we don't even have currency, you know, but that's not true. Yeah, but, but they're I, just gonna like, colonize it and turn it into hell just like 
Yeah, it'll be like a Mall of America in, in Mars. Yeah. So they're, they're full of shit. They're, it is a dick measuring contest. That's why I think we fake the footage because men will stop at nothing to fucking outdick each other. They're doing it right now. They're doing it again. What do you guys think? Anybody listening? You think they faked that original footage or you think it's authentically them just jumping on the moon? By the way, I'm not saying that we lied about the moon landing, although I wouldn't put it past us. I do think that we got there. I watched Hidden Figures. They wouldn't, those ladies wouldn't mm-hmm. have lied. They were legit. They were legit. Not yeah. Not like, I do think we landed. I just think that the footage maybe didn't come through and we were like, hey, Stanley Kubrick, can you help us? But don't you think if it was like a famous filmmaker, he would want credit for that, like in the end? No, because he was such a fucking weirdo. So Stanley was actually like the linchpin of all of this because he's like maybe the only filmmaker that like wouldn't care if he got the credit. Yes, there are extensive theories about why, Kub- why it was Kubrick. Oh, I will look into this. I'm so curious now. Yeah. We continued on that. Need to know more. 100%. All right. This is all the time we have. I think we're well, done. Wait, there's one other thing I think we should just note because it hasn't actually like even played out yet. But as we speak, Bernie mm. Spears is in court. So like we were saying last time, when that, when that judge came out saying, no, Jamie's still the conservator or whatever, it was actually not a response to Britney's heartfelt testimony. It was a response to a petition that had been filed, you know, months ago. So now, now today is when Brittany is finding out if she is allowed to hire her own lawyer and she actually is going to start to loosen the grip on the conservatorship based on her testimony. And I think, as I have my, my live updates open. I do think that we are still waiting to hear. I don't think we have any news from court yet. Do we know? So we will either put an addendum onto this episode. Yeah, we got to follow up about that. But right now, we just want to say Brittany is in court. Yeah, or we maybe we'll go live. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see how it shakes out. These well, things are. I'll, you know do? I'll text you after my client. If there is still time, we can talk about it because by then there will be, they're not going to be in court all day. I know, but th- this shit always gets so delayed. Crazy. Why? Because everyone's just trying to, like, I don't know. Do you think it's like a drama thing or like a procedural thing or do you think they're just fucking with us? I think it's just like the court systems are backlogged. <laughs> Fucked yeah. up. So thank you, everyone, I mean- for listening. Thank you everyone for listening. Is there anything else that we, I mean, there were a few things that until my client calls, I, I, we can keep wrapping. Should we just wrap it up though? Do we not want to? Because I do think it's kind of significant that, you know, Megan Fox did comment on Brian Austin Green's post. Did you see that? Brian Austin Yeah, but we already have like an hour and 45 minutes of stuff. All right, fuck it. Cut it off. Thank you guys for listening. Just cut that part out. You know what I mean? I will, I will. Just cut it out. Okay, I love it. Thank you all for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Check out our merch. And remember, until next week, shoot for the moon. Even if you get canceled, you'll land among the stars. I do believe I got a tote. So we'll see what that looks like when it arrives. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Space trash. Trash in space. Space trash. Lifestyles, the rich and Uranus. Space trash. Celebrities, they're trash. But the astrology can help us understand Transmission incoming. (laughs) Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.